Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. I'm sharing a message with you today simply called Praying for Personal Awakening. I shared some more uh, earlier with you. I really believe that, that God has called Calvary among our other ministries that we do, to, to buy in, to receive a mantle. So maybe you're new to the Lord, new to church, and you say, what's a mantle? You know, we have a lot. Have you ever thought we have a lot of churchy words we use that other people just might not understand? You ever thought about that? I was thinking about that not long ago. I was thinking about, so what, God, give me a mantle. Somebody thought I'm talking about the fireplace, you know? You know, what is that? A carry board around them? You know, uh, a mantle is a biblical term for a robe or a garment that carries a significance. So I believe God has placed a new presence on us, a new anointing to pray into an awakening for this nation and for this region. How many know God's doing that? Say amen to that. Absolutely. And so, but as I prayed and been praying and Praying in these, these, these last 10 days, helping us partner and launch this, this prayer movement across our nation, uh, I, I really sense that, and, and you know this, and I know this, this isn't a revelation, but we sometimes forget it as we pray and as we move in, that all awakening, I want you to get that, all awakening, all revival, what, what's awakening, what's revival, I don't want to leave anybody out. What does it mean to be revived? Well, the picture, the words, actually, just like someone who fainted and they're laying there semi-conscious and something needs to be done to wake them up and get them back on their feet. They're, they need to be revived. There, there are times spiritually, everybody with me, where every one of us, not the guy sitting next to me, but me, I need to be revived. I need the Holy Spirit to freshen me up and stir something up. The word awakening is somewhat like that. If you want to be particular and to find a difference of those in this context of, of the church and America and the outpour of the Holy Spirit, we use the word revival can be used in many different contexts. But, but technically, the word awakening is when something happens nationally, regionally. It, 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 there's not a short time frame. In the history of America, there have only been two awakenings only two times that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was so great and tangible and obvious that it shook the nation, changed the trajectory of the nation, and thousands of people were saved. Only twice has that happened in the history of this nation. And I believe that God is stirring this nation, and we are not saying it's coming, it started. How many heard what I just said? It started. It's grassroots right now, but it started. And so what? So understanding those terms, what I'm saying to us today, what I believe the Lord is saying to us today is that all revival and all awakening begins personally and individually. How many hear what I'm saying? Personally and individually. And so if, if you like the old song, uh, you know, gospel song, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. What's the rest of it? Yeah, so we got some old souls in here. Good. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. What's the next line? It's not my, come on, let me hear you. It's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You mean you young guys never heard that rap? You never heard Tupac do that or 
50 cent or somebody. You never heard that rap anywhere? That's all the rap. See, I'm even old school rap. I can't even tell you he's rapping now. But I'm still, I still feel good about myself. I'm okay. It's me, God. I need something. I need something. Until I become more concerned about my spiritual condition than someone else's spiritual condition, it's not going to happen in my life. Are you with me? And, and, until I get so concerned about, am I doing what I should do? Am I right with God? Am I hungry with God? And I pray it gets beyond that. For too many people, it's just, oh, God, I'm sorry. God, get me right. God, get me here. Well, that needs to happen. But what we really need, let's get through that. And let's get to, I need more of you, God. It's not just I'm bad and I did this and I did that. And if you did that and you did this, then quit doing this and that. But can we grow beyond that? Can every revival stop being I got to repent and get right? And can it be I want more of you? I want more of you. Can we get to a place where we're not on this spiritual roller coaster where we have a revival and everybody is loving and serving Jesus and a month later they're acting like a heathen again? And our only spiritualities is based off of the overflow of somebody around us. And so it should be this thing of not up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, but up and 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 up. It's personal awakening. So I want us to do something here. I'm going to read this account. I'm going to read a lot of scripture in a limited amount of time. And I, I want us to look at these main... Here's what I want you to do. This is how the Holy Spirit's impressed me. I want you to look at the main characters. This isn't a play. It's a, it's a true account. But I want you to look at the main characters as if they were you. Okay? I want you and me to put ourselves in their shoes. I want you to look at this as if you're this person. And we're going to be the bad guy in this too. You got you? So we're going to look at both sides. Because can I tell you something? At times, both sides are in us. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about the flesh and the spirit. Okay, everybody with me here? Okay, I can tell you're not as happy as as you were a while ago. But you're going to get happy. I'll get you happy. The Lord will get you happy. Okay, verse 1. There's a certain man from Ramathiam a zoophyte from the hill country. I'm so thankful when we introduce ourselves, we don't have to go way back to our great, great, great grandfather. It's just George. Aren't you thankful? Okay, or whatever. So there was a certain man from Ramatham, a zoophyte from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. His name is Elkanah, okay? He had two wives. That was his first mistake. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. Now, I don't have time to preach some of this stuff I'd like to, but Hannah's name means grace. Penaniah's name means jewel. So right off the bat, you got what I'm saying? One of these women, women was Grace, and the other one's name was Bling. Need I say more? Need I say more? Right off the bat, you got where I'm going, don't you? I don't need to tell you anymore. So, so this guy married one woman who was Grace, 
and the other woman who was bling, and things didn't work well. Do I have to tell you anymore? Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the t- day came Elkanah, uh, for Elkanah to sacrifice, the Lord, uh, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penaniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Watch this. And the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her in the house year after year. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her in the house of the Lord. When they're trying to worship till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, this sounds like a man, doesn't it? Come on, guys. Sorry, God. This is just, this so real. Word is so real. This is just like us. Guys, God help us all. God help us all. So Hannah's heart's broken. She's crying. She weeps. She can't have a baby. And look what the husband says. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? You got me, girl. I'm telling you. Mr. Clueless. Whoop. Whoop. He said, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Oh, he, Mr. Clueless. Men, look at me in the eyes. You need revelation. You need a prayer life. I need a prayer life. I'm telling you the truth. Left to ourselves, may God have mercy. Left to ourselves. I mean, the dude's worshiping God, and he's still missing it 100 miles. Okay. There's help, though. Come on. There's help. I told you. All right. Come on. This is, there's so much in the Word. I don't know about you. I have so much fun reading the Bible. But let me go on. I'm sorry. There's some stuff we need to see. All right. Verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest, watch this, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed. Her situation had reached such a place. I want you to see this. What are we talking about? Praying for personal awakening. And she reached the place in her trial, torment, where she began to pray at a different level. She began to pray not because it was the thing to do or she was in the house of God or it was the time to go worship, but now it moved to desperation. It wasn't convenience. It was desperation. Are you with me? It wasn't an option. It was the only option. It wasn't ritual. It was, it was salvation. It wasn't ritual. It, it was the only thing she had left. Are you, are you seeing with me? It, it just went to another level. In bitterness of soul, she wasn't bitter at the woman. She was broken in her soul. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord 
for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. That was part of a vow that they would, would, would make in that day. As she kept on praying to the Lord, now watch this. Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So here's this desperate praying woman, provoked by her rival, in, in, in desperation as she's praying. And the priest looks at her and says, Eli thought she was drunk. And said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Somebody might need to read that. In Psalms, it says, Selah, pause and meditate. Verse 15. She said, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eye. And then she says, she went her way. She ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived. She gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So I, I want you to understand the context of these verses. This isn't where we are in our culture today. It isn't the only identity a woman has in this day. It, but, but in the context of this moment, I want you to understand that Hannah's entire identity, her entire purpose in that culture, in that time, in that day was to have children. It, it, it was her highest dream, was her greatest goal. Again, I'm not saying that is the, the exact application today. I'm saying for Hannah here, that was her purpose. That was what she longed for. It was what every young Jewish girl was brought up to do and to think about that, that I am to bear children, that I am to, that I am to uh, create a legacy, I am to produce heirs, I am to keep this family name, that we, we, we live on this land, it has been given to us, and, and I must raise up another generation. Think of the, the, the application today. If I don't bear children, there's no one to give the land to. If I don't bear children, there's no one to carry the legacy. If I don't produce the next generation, then all all that we work for is going to go to naught. Are you seeing that? Spiritually, what is that? It is this. If we don't birth the next generation of believers, if we do not bring up another generation of believers, then all we have prayed and worked and wrestled for before God will be gone and broken and the chain is there. And so this woman was, was, was struggling and wrestling. I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I'm not walking in my identity. I am frustrated. I, 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 I can't do what I was put here to do. She was unable. And so she became desperate in her praying. She wouldn't eat. She, she would not be consoled, even though her husband thought he was all that. That wasn't enough for her. She said, God, something has to happen. And, and, and on top of that, she has, 
she has Sister Bling on her all the time who is bearing children and children are in the home. And, 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 and so, so, so I want you to see, put yourself in Hannah's place. Guys, you can do it. Work with me. Put yourself in that place. And, and, and what we have is very much like we saw with, with, with Isaac and Ishmael. You have the son of the promise and the son of the flesh. You've got the flesh and the spirit battling inside the same house. Is anybody listening to me? It's where Paul says, I know we love the Lord. I know we're his people. But Paul said, I'm a wretched man. I'm talking about personal revival. Anybody with me right now? I, I, this is, what I'm going to share is not for the half-hearted, the lukewarm, or the faint of heart today. But it's for people with a call on their life. And inside every one of us is the wrestling that Paul had in Romans 7 where he says, the things I want to do, I can't do. <clears throat> the things I don't want to do, I just keep doing those things. And he got to the place and he said, in, in my spirit, in my mind, I'm a slave to God, but in my carnal nature, this stuff keeps coming and getting me. I'm battling in the same house. I've got the spirit, I've got grace on one hand and bling on the other hand. I've got spirit here and flesh here and it's provoking me. I'm battling this. But Paul says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then we go into, I didn't have him put all this, I'll quote it. And then we go into Romans 8, 1 and he says, therefore there is now, come on somebody say amen. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God, even though I'm in the battle, even though the struggle is there, if my heart is there. Come on, did you hear what I said? Through Jesus Christ. Someone say through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, I have been connected. He is for me even in the battle. I've got good news for you. It's not your perfection that's going to get you there. It's your direction that's going to get you in this place. He said, for what? The law could not do, and that it was weakened by my carnal nature. What me even reading the word of God could not produce, but the law of the spirit of life, come on, the Holy Spirit, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So I don't walk around and I say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm saying I've been saved. I have been justified. I have been sanctified. I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And if the flesh is winning on me, I know how to overcome the flesh. I'm going to get in the spirit. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to pray till that thing gets off my back. Anybody walking with me? There are going to be times when you've got grace and bling working on you at the same time. You've got flesh and spirit working on you at the same time. But if a person will say, God, I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm not looking for a reason. I'm not going to get a lot of people around me and we all get together and say we all sin the same sin. There's nothing we can do about it. Can I tell you, that's poor company. That's poor company. Anybody that's encouraging you to sin is not your friend. Anybody giving you a license to sin is not your friend. Anybody encouraging you not to pray is not your friend. Anybody telling you you don't need to seek God, they're not your friend. But it's those people that say, let's pray. Let's dig in. Let's go after God. Let's see God do this thing. Because there are going to be times as you're seeking God. You're going to, the, the devil, you know, one of the terms used for Penaniah here is adversary. Adversary. 
adversary. That's the name given to the devil in the Bible. He's the adversary. He's the one when you're going after God that whispers in your ear, chill out. See, see, he, if you're a Christian, he's not going to tell you to go murder somebody. Now, you think about that going to work sometime, but that's not, that, that's not really who you are. He, you're not going to go murder somebody. You're not going to go arm rob the bank tomorrow. What, what's he going to say? You don't have to forgive them. You know, find somebody that, that's gone to church less than you are, then you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> He's your adversary. He's your rival. He either, he, he, he'll either condemn you or falsely prop you up to take your hunger away from you, to take your desperation away from you. You're all right. You're all got to chill out. You, you, listen, we've never lost anybody from praying too much in this church. Can I help you just relax? We've never had anybody get in trouble praying. We've never had anybody hurt themselves praying. We've never had anybody get away from God praying. So, so what this adversary, you see that, this thing going on. It's back and forth. And then even Eli, Eli, he, 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 he gets here and he, he says, woman, you're drunk. Quit doing that. And she says, sir, I'm calling on God. I'm calling on God. I'm hungry for God. Do, do, do you know what I've discovered when you get serious with God? Do you know awakening never occurs when my focus is on other people? See, she could have become offended then. She could have said, what do you mean, drunk? What kind of priest are you? Who do you think you are? Here I am seeking God. And then she could go home. Listen, this is what happens. And she'd go back home and say, well, I know I haven't had a baby. It's that big fat priest up there. And the Bible said he was fat and heavy. Fell off a chair and broke his neck and died. The Bible said he was blind. This dude was not in good shape. So she could have said, right in the middle of her anguish, see, see, the, the devil's going to always send you an excuse to give up. He's going to always give you an alibi to back off. But we're talking about praying for personal awakening. There are going to be some things I have to work through so God can get to me. And I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about right here. And see, if my focus is on other people, listen to me, you're never going to have awakening in your life. You're never going to have a revival in your life. If, you're, if, you're, if we're always saying, I can't because you. I can't because her. I can't because him. I would, but they said. I could, but they did. No, no, no. It has to come down to me and God. It has to come to a place. If I'm always looking at other people, I'm never going to have awakening. See, 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 let me help you with something. I can tell if people have a real prayer life. You know, I can tell if you really pray. Now, I, I don't mean you pray like, now lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, fast to die for awake, pray, pray my Lord soul to take. I don't mean good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. I don't mean you mean quote the Lord's prayer. I'm talking about praying. Where you pray through your list and stay there long enough to God give you his list. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? To get past my list, you know, I, I can't tell you the times I've been praying, and I do that stuff too. I got my list. We all have our needs, and God cares about your needs. God cares about those things. But, but oftentimes I can tell you, I'm praying. And, 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 and I hear the Holy Spirit say something like this. Are you done? Yeah, yeah. Good, because I want to tell you some things on my list. I get that. I, or sometimes something like this. 
I've almost heard God say this. Uh, you know, George, yes, sir, I knew that. I knew all that stuff where you told me, yes, sir. Yeah. You probably did, yes, sir. So now, can I talk? Yes, sir. <laughs> you ever had that friend? They tell you, they start a conversation with you, but you never get to talk? Come on, tell the truth. You got one of those, don't you? I mean, all they want to do is talk. They don't want to listen to you. Have you ever had, on the, had them on the phone and you just kind of, you go lay it down and go do something. They'll never know it. Because they don't care what you got to say. They just want to talk. You can lay that thing down. Just pick it up every 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And just lay it down. Just kidding. I'm going to the truth. You know. You know. I know nobody in here is one of those. But sometimes we pray like that. But let me tell you, I can tell where somebody's prayer life is where it ought to be. Listen to me. You got to get this. Because they're not critical and judgmental. If you're critical and judgmental, you're not praying right. Do you know why? Because when you begin to pray, because the Bible says you bless those who curse you. Come on, stay with me. This is personal revival. I told you, this is not playtime. It says you bless those who curse you, and you do what for those that insult? You pray for them. So this is what happens. Somebody's bugging you. You don't like what somebody's doing. And your eyes are on them, and all that stuff. You're shaking your head and messing stuff up and talking to your friends about it. And the, thing, the worst thing about it nowadays is that you got this dumb thing in your hand. And so it's not just you. You get on here. So now you're embarrassing yourself to the world. Because this is what I know. Stay with me. If you really got a prayer life, you're praying for the people that are bugging you. And if you keep praying for them long enough, listen to me, you're going to start loving those people. You're going to pray for them. Your heart's going to be touched for them. You're going to realize that the same thing in them is happening in you. You're going to realize that what you're on them about, God's already forgiven you for. And so when people get on this thing and rant and rave and criticize and they talk about who's spiritual and who's not spiritual, I can tell you right off, boy, they had not been praying. They're not praying. You know the person gets on here and they're the expert for the world? They had not been praying. There's no humility in that. There's no grace in that. There's no prayer life in that. There's nothing that. Who and who in the world do I think I am that I can tell somebody else how to serve God? Who in the world do I think I am that I can tell another pastor how to guide his church? Who in the world do I think I am that I can tell somebody else how to take care of their family? I, if, if, so you get the point. You get the point. Quite, I guess I'm, wait, I'm just wait on that. Just let it sink in. Don't push back on me right now. Don't push back on me right now. The fact you're fighting in your mind with me right now means you hadn't been praying. I feel it in the spirit. I'm not, I know exactly what's going on in this room right now. You're thinking of an excuse right now. Well, if he knew what they, I don't need to know what they did to you. I'm not preaching the clauses today. I'm preaching the truth to you today. I'm not preaching the addendums. I'm not an attorney. I'm a pastor. But here's what I want you to see. Okay. I, I, let, let me go fast forward. So we read, we read in chapter 2. Listen, I'm going to bring it around. Stay with me. We go to chapter 2. So we see Hannah. Have you ever been in Hannah's place? Okay. 
I know some of us men have been in Elkin's place, but we're getting better. We're getting better. <laughs> Hannah. But men, you've had some Hannah going on in you. How many hear what I'm saying? We all have. So we see this struggle to pray and these obstacles that want to come against us. But we're going to have personal revival. Now watch this. Watch this. Chapter 2 says that Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were so corrupt and vile that as these priests, they were taking the meat offerings that should belong to God and were eating them themselves. They were stealing God's portion. They were abusing the sacrifices to God. I know it's a mixed audience, but it's in the Bible. And not only doing that, they're having sex with women at the temple. These dudes were corrupt and reprobate. To compound that, Eli confronted them and said, you know you shouldn't do that, but he didn't stop it. So let me, I said, we got to be everybody in this. This one's not going to be fun. Two said, go ahead, so I'm going to do it. That's all I need. Eli, we're praying for personal revival. How do you get like that? He'd become obese, fattened, sluggish, eating what belonged to God, keeping in here what he should have been given here. He became spiritually unhealthy because he kept the things in his life, his prayer, his time, his word, his obedience, his surrender. Are you with me? Those things that should have been given to God, Eli kept them for himself all the time. And what happened to him, it started to clog his spiritual arteries. He started to get sick on a diet that didn't belong to him. He began to be overweight, not and listen, we're looking at the spiritual picture of this man. This man became sluggish. He, he became inactive. He, he had no spiritual for us exercise. His diet was that which was, should be given to God. He tolerated sin. He put man before God. He said, well, it's my boys. What do I do? And so he made his boys an idol before God. And that's why this man couldn't even recognize when a woman was praying. He didn't have enough discernment to know when God was doing something. And how we become Eli. So I'm not, don't call me that. Anybody can get there. If you tolerate sin. If you put man before God. If you say my family's before God, if you say I'm going to hold on to things that only God should have, if I'm going to create idols in my life, then I am going to be a person who becomes blind to the things of God, dull to the things of God, sitting in the temple with a title. But the Bible says in, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, put this up. I'm going to move fast. The Bible says this. The, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord and, and under Eli. Listen. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. What happens when we become Eli? We don't hear the word anymore. We don't see the move of God anymore. We don't have him touch our prayer life anymore. We lose our joy in the Lord. 
We lose our response to God. God, I can't be obedient because I'm too sluggish and heavy and sedentary and, and sick. I can't even get up to obey God. I can't even move to do what he wants me to do. I can't even see God move right in front of my face. And then I wonder, why don't I feel God? Why don't I have vision? What happened to my joy? It's because I put myself in God's place. The only thing you can do is repent of that. Turn from it. God help me from that. But here's the good news. She said, God, if you'll give me this boy, I'll give him back to you. I think it's interesting. Come on, I'm praying for personal revival. God, give me a boy. 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 My rival's embarrassing me. My rival's insulting me. I can't have any joy. I can't eat. I, God, come on. Come on, God. Vindicate me. Are you with me? See, her prayer was sliding from give me a boy, and now her prayer was saying, God, come on. Give me a break from this woman. God, vindicate me from this woman. I need a son so she'll be quiet. I'll need a son so she'll leave me alone. I'll need a son so I can have some status in this place. But finally, in desperation, listen to me, she moved past that. It was no longer so she'll be quiet. It was no longer so I'll have status. It was no longer so people will respect me. Finally, she gets to a place and she says, God, if you'll give me this boy... I'll give this boy to you. You see, if we get to a place in our personal prayer where it moves beyond me and it gets to God, you're in the right place for awakening to happen in your life. See, she wanted a boy. God wanted a mighty man of God. Do you see, I'm praying for this little thing and God sees this big thing. See, it's not enough to pray for revival as a pastor. I'm not praying for revival just so people know about our church and, and so we get more people in the house. I'm praying for revival because we need revival. Because God needs a church he can use. Because God needs a man he can use. Because God needs a family he can use. See, it's not about me. I have to pray. And you don't get there overnight. But if we pray in this personal awakening because it happened in our life, then we move past, I need help to God. It's all yours. That's when she had the boy. She couldn't get the boy. God couldn't give her what she wanted until she reached a place where she saw it's not about me, God. It's about you. You know what Samuel was? Samuel was the awakening. Samuel was the revival. Samuel was what happens when we really pray, like we should pray, he, 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 it, it's amazing. Look, look at this, verse 2. Did we read verse 1 here? Yeah, so, so look at verse 2. I want to hurry. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see. That's not a surprise. See, spiritually, he, 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 he had so transgressed that all of his spiritual senses had, had dulled and died. Do you know he was in the church? He was in the temple. He lived there. Do you know that you can go to church and your spiritual senses be degrading to such a point that you're sitting in the presence of God and the person next to you is having a revival? You can't even sense it. Can't even tell it. Don't even know it. That, that, that can happen to us. But God wants to bring awakening. God wants to bring an answer. 
God wants to restore us. Aren't you thankful? So, so, so one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Man, there's so much there. Now watch. The lamp of God, the flame, the fire, the presence, had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple. He was lying down. He was immobile. He was inactive. Where the ark of the Lord was. Asleep in the presence of God. Dead in the presence of God. Blind in the presence of God. In his usual place. Just become routine. But verse 4, then, can I tell you something? Let's become Samuel. Let's say, God, if I've been Eli, do something in me today, God. Resurrect me, God. Awaken me, God. There's a second chance. How many are thankful for second chances? How many are thankful for revival and awakening? My God, my God. Then the Lord called Samuel. See, this is the wonderful thing about God. If somebody just says, no, I'm done, God says, I'm going to find somebody else. Then the Lord called Samuel. If somebody doesn't want it, God says, oh, who wants it? Catherine Kuhlman, one of the great miracles, one of the great vessels that God used for miracles, signs and wonders, said that she never had trouble keeping her humility before God because he came to her and said, I've come to three men and they've rejected this call I want to put on their life. Now I've come to you. She said, I never got too arrogant. I was God's fourth choice. <laughs> Eli, you're not going to do it? Then I'm going to find Samuel. Eli, you don't want this thing? Then, then I'm going to find Samuel. Maybe in our life we've been a time of spiritual deadness or drought. But the good news, God says, if you give me another moment, I'll turn your Eli season into a Samuel season in your life. I'll take the church and I'll, and I'll move Eli out of the way and I'll bring a Samuel awakening into the house of God. I'll bring a Samuel revival into the house of God. Now see, see, see here, watch, I got to keep going. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Now the Lord called him, but Samuel was new to this. It's okay. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. <laughs> he said, I didn't call you. Happened three times. The little boy didn't know. It said he hadn't learned the voice of God yet. Can I give you some good news? You can learn the voice of God. You can grow in your walk with God. You don't have to say God doesn't talk to me. He's probably talking and you thought it was somebody else. You thought it was you. The good news is we can grow. We can learn. God keeps working on the third time even dead, blind, dull, sleeping. Eli said, son, go lay down. Again, and if he calls you again, you say to him, here I am, Lord, and he'll talk to you. Look at verse 19, chapter 3. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. Look at this. It's the only prophet, the Bible says this. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. Think of that. Not one thing he ever said Stop bearing fruit. Not one thing he ever said failed to fulfill the purpose of God. For God said in Isaiah 55, my word that goes out of my mouth shall not come back to me empty or void, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. And you can be a little Samuel, young, 
naive, not knowing all the things that go on into the house and the presence and the voice of God. But if your heart's right before God, he's not looking at who your daddy was or what your lineage was or how you got in the house of God. But if you will just go to him and say, here I am. God will talk to you. God will walk with you. He'll put the Eli season out of your life and raise a Samuel season up in your life. And his words, look at this, not none of them fell to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, Dan is in the north, Beersheba is the southernmost tribe bordering Egypt, all recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued. See, when he got started, it was rare. There were no visions. There was not much happening. But now what do we see? The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Here's the thing. To be a priest, you had to be a Levite. You had to be born in a particular family. But when God gets ready to move, listen to me, church. You don't have to have the right family name. You don't have to be in the right place. You don't have to have the right title. You don't have to know anything. Maybe all you knew was sin and heartache and mistake. Maybe you grew a battle like Hannah and Penaniah. Maybe you had somebody mistreat you. Maybe a religious leader misunderstood you. Maybe people around you didn't like you. Maybe you've grown weary and tired. But the moment you get past you and say, Lord, I don't care what they say. It's not my place to judge. It's not what they're doing or they're doing or they're doing or they're doing. I don't have time to be the critic and the judge of the world. I'm on my face before you. I'm saying to you, I want to know your voice. I want you to talk to me. I want you to bring me along. When you get there, God's going to take Eli out of your life and put Samuel anointing on your life, and you're going to rise up and be everything God wanted you to be. I want you to stand with me right now. Let's stand and honor the presence of God right now. Church, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God's recruiting an army right now. God's recruiting an army right now. God is challenging us, pushing us, stretching us. You know why? Because you and I are better than Eli. We're a Samuel. You and I are a people of awakening. You and I are a people who are willing to say, God, I'm going to let go of these things that have been keeping me from the best. God, I'm going to move on from these things. I'm going to let go of these things. Can I tell you something? You don't have to live as a critic. There are plenty out there to take your place. <laughs> don't worry. Somebody will pick the mantle up. But there's not enough prayers. There's not enough seekers. There's not enough little Samuels in the world. Not enough Samuels. God will write you in the awakening story even if your name didn't belong there in the beginning. God will put you in there. When I'm willing to get to the place and say, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. It's about you. It's about you, God. It's just about you. It's not easy to get there. You'll have a rival along the way. You'll have a challenge along the way. Or hear me? And it may be from inside you. <laughs> it may be inside you saying, you need to stop. You need to hold on. What if I surrender? What if I got, give God everything? What does that mean? Well, let's find out what that means. I can tell you this. It'll be better than any substitute or counterfeit that I thought was going to work in my life. So today, I want to, uh, just one more time. I know it's a lot of movement, but God's worth some movement. <laughs> if today you want to say, Lord, we may not all get here, but you try. 
Lord, I, I don't want to be Eli. I don't, want, I don't want Eli to stop me. I don't want my rival to stop me. I don't want the flesh to stop me. I don't want the bling to get in my way, God. I don't want to be blinded by the stuff. God, I want to walk in your grace. How many are thankful for the grace of God? Man, I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God. So thankful. So thankful. In my wildest imagination, listen to me. Growing up, it never crossed my mind that I would preach the gospel, that I would be a pastor. I never had one waking thought of that. Not one time. was in church three times a week with my family for 18 years until I left home. I was in church nine months before I was born. But I wasn't his. I was a Eli. I was an Eli. I had a thousand excuses. I judged the people in the church. I was an arrogant young man. I would sit in the back, cold and spiritually dead, and judge the people at the altar. I was an Eli. I don't deserve to stand in front of you today, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God. I didn't call myself. I'm sure when God called me, there were some eyebrows raised in heaven. I'm sure. But this is what I know. He'll take a little Samuel. And if you just keep coming, you just keep coming. Say, Lord, I don't know your voice yet, but I want to know your voice. I got confused. Was that you? Was that Eli? See, look at this. Samuel kept running to Eli. Eli was his picture of God. But can I tell you something? God will give you a new picture of who God is in your life. He'll get those others out of the way. And you get it. You get it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.